Hello, I'm Panos Kodzathanasis, and this is ASEAN Movie Pulse Interviews. Today I'm here with Ansul Chauhan, whose film December just premiered in Busan. How are you, Ansul? I'm good, I'm good. Okay, great. So tell us a bit, how was the reception of the film in Busan? Uh, reception was really good. Uh, the opening ceremony, it was house, uh, I mean... Any like I mean, even before coming to Busan, all the shows were houseful, all three of them. So, and uh, one thing which I found the difference between Japanese audience and Korean audience, like there were many young people here in the audience. So, uh, so the Q and A was really interesting, and mm -hmm. I was, um, yeah, I'm really happy to be here and to screen my film. Okay. Okay. Great. And. Uh... How come you decided to shoot a film that is kind of a court drama? Mm. So uh, this script was written by, you know, my, uh, my friend Ryan Coulter. Yeah, he always uh, collaborates with me from a long time. But this is originally his script, you know, and uh, he wrote it long back, actually three, four years back, and I read it. And but it was written in, in a way that it can be fit in any country, you know. So I, I took the script and I did some research on uh, Japanese juvenile crime system and court system and all. Then I changed it, changed the whole script for the Tokyo. And then Mina Moteki worked on it uh, as a dialogue, uh, Japanese dialogues. And yeah, then I thought it's pretty interesting subject and uh, the subject of bullying and all, I take it very personal. And, you know, I'm really, uh, I wanted to explore it in a way so in a way, it is not a courtroom drama. If you see, it's a retrial. So it's not like they are mm -hmm. not not investigating mm -hmm. okay, how it happened, who did it, and all. It's it's pretty clear in the starting who did it. So that's what interested me. Like it's a it's a courtroom drama in in a way of a retrial, and same time a good human drama is going outside the court, uh, which I personally really really uh, like shooting like family dramas and all. So yeah, that's why I decided to go ahead and make this project. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, uh, Japanese uh, judicial system is really strict. Like ninety-nine percent of people who go to court end up being convicted. Is it is this the same with the juvenile offenders, or are they a bit more lenient? Then, uh, yeah, I think it is. It is a bit similar, but for juvenile, uh, I think they don't actually go to prison. Prison, they go to the you know how you call that uh, rehab kind of facility. And it's not actual prison, but they are. So in this case, in the film's case, you know, in the starting, she might have gone a few years in the juvenile uh, prison. But after that, she was moved to the adults. So that's why the case was fought to bring her back. Because according to the rule, they should be out before the uh, before to age of 20. So which is what happened. So we took a bit of uh, a bit of liberty in, to, do, to deal with this uh, film in this regard. Mm -hmm. And uh, also one of the main points of the films is trauma, let's say, and how people uh, cope with it. How do they move on? Uh, what is your opinion on the subject? Uh, you mean the family members? Uh... Yes, because we have Katsu not being able to move on, but uh, his wife has moved on. So yeah. what do you think? Yeah, because uh, uh, I read a lot of, I was reading a lot of about this thing and then I was watching a documentary. It's still available on Netflix. Uh, sorry, on YouTube, I think. I am, if I'm not wrong, the name is uh, "Teenage Killers of Japan." The name of the documentary. So I watched it long back, and in that documentary, there is a father whose son was killed, and the killer is out of the prison, and he still cannot forget it. He goes to the school every day, 
stands, uh, parks his car and looks at the school and he blames the government for it. So yeah, from there, I kind of, you know, got his inspiration to, uh, for, for the katsu and all, you know, and it's not easy to forget, especially it was a child, you know, uh, only child, you know, who passed away and he, she was like, I mean, very close to the father. So yeah, that's why we showed katsu like this, not able to forget. And same time, he's, they both have been going to this, uh, uh, how you call this, uh, how you call this circle, you know, round, mm. <clears throat> okay. round, round, not, not round table, like, like anonymous, alcohol anonymous kind of thing yeah. for, for the grieving, for the grieving parents. So yeah, that's where I think, uh, uh, not, I think that's where Sumiko met another guy who was dealing with the same problem and she moved on. Katsu couldn't move on. He became alcoholic and stop writing and all that mm-hmm. and the, but tell us a bit about the whole concept of uh, Kana I mean she was uh, harshly bullied bullied in school and she ended up being a perpetrator herself what do you think about this whole concept I mean uh, yeah she was uh, she was uh, bullied in the school and because it's a Japanese uh, subject if it was in India or some some other place, this bullying they won't even see it as a bullying in a big way, you know. Until unless you actually beat somebody up really bad or you know, I don't know, push them around or you know. But in Japan, teasing and all is becomes really big actually, and they they take it very seriously. Teasing and and I met so many um, some of my friends. I asked them about their high school life and all. So yeah, she was bullied. And, you know, the, the whole bunch of the girl were bullying her, beating her up. And also, it's, in a way, she just couldn't take it one day. And, you know, and uh, she just did something which, uh, you know, she ended up uh, killing the um, Katsu's girl, Katsu's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also, at the same time, uh, when I was uh, in the pre-production of this film last year, uh, the one news came out. There are many news, actually. Uh, uh, one news came out from the Aomori prefecture that the classmate exactly news as the film, which I was very shocked to read. The same thing happened in Aomori prefecture in the high school. One guy killed the other guy by stabbing uh, with a knife um, because of the bullying and all. So yeah, this happened in Japan and uh, especially in Korea while uh, showing this film, so many people connected with it. They said this is a very one of the biggest problems in Korea also right now. So that's why, you know, audience were really moved and you know, crying and all. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it has become such a big problem in Japan? In Japan, I mean, I don't know. They, It could be anything. Teasing point could be anything. You know, you know how the high school kids are. So what, what, why exactly it happens, I don't know. But I know from the community of uh, foreigners or half Japanese people and all, they, they are, it's very common for them. You know, if if your skin tone is a bit different or if you're from outside, they, they, they get really bad treatment in schools from other kids. And in a way, Japanese society, you know, it's a very calm and peaceful, respectful, everybody so, uh, talks nicely and all. But in school, uh, this is a very big problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but you, as, as an Indian, being in Japan, have you ever felt racism? Uh, not, not actually. There was. I just remember one small story. There was a guy always sitting in front of uh, my share house when I just moved to Tokyo, two thousand eleven. We were living in a foreigners' share house. All foreigners were living. 
we were always sitting in front and drinking too high in the morning. Mm-hmm. So whenever whenever we go to the office or somewhere, he always look at us and spit like every time. That, that's all. Uh, besides that, nothing I spent. Mm-hmm. Never. Okay. But sometimes, which is very common, which everybody can relate with me, which is in the train it happened, which, which is very common with everyone. If you are sitting in the train and there is a seat empty beside you, there are like ninety percent of chances nobody will come and sit beside. Mm. This is very this this is very common. This happened with all of my friends with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, to get back to the trial a bit, let's just say you were the judge. <laughs> what would you decide in the initial case and maybe even in the second one? Mm, I mean, initial case. Uh, if I'm not wrong, it was all based on the evidence. You know, they they must have fought seven years back. So of course, she will go to the uh, prison reform system for juveniles and all. But for the retrial, you know, uh, if you look from the legal perspective, from the rules like Japanese rules of you know juvenile crime and all, she should be out of the prison because of the previous judge, uh, she was not. So that's where the whole uh, film happened, and. Uh, uh, to be honest, myself till the end, I was in the middle. I didn't give my personal verdict. Uh, I wanted to stay like that, and I think till now I'm like that. I, I don't know which side to pick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would be really hard for me to make this film if I show like obviously okay which side I am on. Mm-hmm, okay, okay. And uh, let's say the movie continues. What would happen to Kana? You think moving forward? I actually have a story for second part. Uh, <laughs> so if movie continues, uh, she will go out. So I, the way I shot ending, you know, it's a very, for example, if in a normal movie, if she's getting the verdict of parole or going out, she would be a little happy and also, you know, so we, we did shot like that, but I kind of changed my mind and I showed her little bit bit more serious and you know, just listening to the verdict and all. So, and then Katsu comes back gives her a look which is very confusing is he did for me it was like did he actually forgive her or he just couldn't do the thing he wanted to do in the when he goes to meet her so i left that kind of a hint to it and same time kana looks back to it so if i move it forward it will be she goes out she has no family now so what happens in japan all these girls uh mainly girls who goes out they get a job in thousand yen bb bb cut like haircut shops most of them. So that would be the character I will develop for Kana. She goes out and she gets a job in the BB cut, like a five-minute haircut thing, thousand yen they charge. And if you have been to Japan, you will see this blue and red and white circle keeps mm. moving out of the shop. Those those shops, they all work in prison, uh, girls who comes out of prison. So, and then I might bring back Katsu. Uh, like he still did. Actually, he comes back and he was just waiting for in the end like he just couldn't do it but he will start you know going around the shop mm-hmm. and you know things things like that yeah which which might be inspired from that documentary i i was talking about teenage killers of japan the father was going to the school every day and looking at the guy who killed his you know his son mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so something like yeah i don't know what will happen but this this is what i think i'll start from yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, the girl who died w- was a bully in school, but her parents yeah. seem to, they don't know about it. Do you think they really didn't know their daughter or were they in some kind of denial, let's say, about who she really is? 
they they didn't know i can say that because uh, i had the exactly similar experience i was like heavily bullied you know in school which is military academy also it was really it was almost like a hazing you know like a very uh, severe type of bullying and and uh, the guy who was bullying me you know and i talked with him like now <laughs> but his parents never he, for them he's like the best you know best kid and everything so they don't share anything you know Mm -hmm. yeah, at home. But, but why do, do you think this happens? Why do parents don't know their children at all? It seems very common nowadays. Yeah, even if they know, they won't believe that, you know, their kid, their mm. kid can do it. Because at home, the kids are, you know, so nice. They behave nicely. They study on time, sleep on time. I mean, in that age, when you are 13, 14 years of age, yeah, when it becomes like a 17, 18, it, it becomes a little different. You know, you start becoming... Uh, your behavior changes. You become, you know, you start revolting against the parent and things like, like, uh, like Sora from, you know, Contora, that kind of age. So yeah, I don't know exactly why the parents don't know about this, or even if some parents know, you know, they just ignore it because they think it's not a big deal, and they start blaming the other kids' parent. Why don't you tell your kid not to do these things, you know, and stay away from our kid? Things like that. I've seen many fights like this happen in school <laughs> between parents. They don't. Uh, yeah, only only maybe very rarely, you know, some I guess parents try to control their kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what I think. Yeah, I might be wrong. Okay, okay. And uh, was it difficult shooting inside the courtroom and the prison? Like the logistics of the whole thing, let's say. Yeah, it was really, uh, it was a set uh, which we rented in Chofu in Tokyo, with, mm -hmm. uh, the prison set which was uh, movable, everything you can move around. So we took uh, benefit of that, you know, moved around everything all the time to get the frames and all, but it was really difficult. So I think the only way to solve was it to make it behave like an actual set. So usually what happens, but this time I had a little bigger actors, you know, so after every cut, they will go out, you know, or whatever, have coffee or cigarette, whatever. So I made a rule that nobody will move. <laughs> Even the sauce, everybody will keep sitting, camera will move, but nobody else will move until the end of the whole scene, which is very tiring for them just to sit in one place. But because of that, we could shoot faster, move faster. And uh, so, yeah, that was the only thing. And we didn't use uh, any special lighting in that, which also benefited us. Otherwise, it takes a long time. So if you see the film, you will see the the courtroom only has a bit different kind of look, which is a bit more flat, which we did on purpose. So only, we only use the uh, like available tube lights on the on the ceiling. So we just moved the camera. And also, uh, the rest of the film, you know, we shot with some different kind of lenses, like a prime lenses, but the courtroom scenes, we shot with the zoom lens on purpose so that we don't have to change the lens. So it was all about saving the time. How can we save time to shoot more? And uh, so if we use zoom lens from the same angle, we can zoom in or 18mm or 35mm or 17 anything. So, yeah, so that's what, you know, uh, helped us a lot to move quicker and shoot. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. otherwise, it was not planned how to shoot first, this and that. Usually, I never planned, so it was a chaos in a, in a way, like a good chaos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. And uh, can you tell me a bit about the, the last scene? For me, it's like visually the most impressive in the film. Last means when they're walking. Yeah, when they're walking in there. <laughs> yeah, so that location is what we actually found while shooting. 
which is beside the I I saw it before when I went for location scouting, but it never registered my head that I can shoot it that way. But while shooting, we actually climbed on the top of the building, and we saw like okay, this is something something interesting. This uh, this zigzag you know garden kind of thing. So I started to introduce that location in the film from two three scenes like a, a like uh, one of the court scenes when he's coming. Uh, there's a guy running, you know, behind him. So first time you see that location also, and then also when Sato, the lawyer and his assistant walking after a phone call, we see it a little bit. So that's why I put there so that people don't get like, what is this? Where did this come from? So that's why uh, I introduced that before. But the scene is about you know, even though uh, Sumiko goes to uh, Katsu's house, right, and uh, they talk the personal stuff about the daughter and the court, the I mean the uh, Katsu tells her whatever the verdict will be, I I will accept it and all. And then they talk about their personal thing. What about us? And she ignores it. And I mean, basically she says no. Like you know, I think I will focus on my life now. But it's like when she goes back to the court, sees him. She's basically still unclear uh, about what she want to do in life. And uh, so my thought behind that shot was like. So whatever problem he will go through, so he could have taken the straight road, you know, he can just go straight and she would have followed or not followed, that's a different thing. But in a way, Katsu is testing. He's, he didn't even look back at her, but he knows that she is there. So he just started walking like a zigzag thing, but she is following him. So in a way, uh, Katsu, uh, for the character, in a way, it's like he knows that she will come behind me no matter what. So that was a, a thought for me uh, for mm -hmm. that scene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, that uh, that's that particular shot and the location also inspired all the music making in the film. So because uh, Yuma makes music based on the architecture and the design of the buildings and all, so that's where we started making music from that particular location mm -hmm. as an inspiration. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, how would you describe the lawyer now that you mentioned him? Is he a good person or just an opportunist? Yeah, so I kept a very thin line for him, you know, mm -hmm. because as an actor, as an actor, he wanted to know the clear difference. I'm a good guy or bad. You know, you can call him a villain or maybe no, or maybe he's just actually following the law, which is which is a good thing because, but his goal is to take her out and also to, to get the money. So it's not like he's completely, you know, just doing his because he likes her or he wants her to be out, but there's a money behind it, which is, which is a compensation in a uh, given by the uh, government because of the wrongful conviction. So that was his motive also, one of the motive. But that doesn't mean he has no soft heart for Kana. So he has that soft heart. But in the end, as the judge says that you will not get any compensation. So you can see his mood goes with loud down. But again, mm -hmm. in the last scene when Katsu is looking at her, they are talking behind that I will file the appeal again. Like I will try again. To mm -hmm. get the money, so yeah, he's just a lawyer, you know. Uh, I I cannot call him opportunist, but because he must be fighting many cases, this is this is one special case which comes back in his life as a retrial because it's a juvenile case, and yeah, he is looking for money through her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, do you like him as a person? Let's say, would you go out to have a drink <laughs> with him? <laughs> <laughs> I like him as a person. He's a very straightforward, you know. That's what I know. Mm. So I might not enjoy drinking with him. I mean, 
<laughs> even though Katsu goes with him, you know, first thing Katsu says, and he asks him for a favor, like uh, like a reverse favor, like if you do this, you have to do this. So he's very straightforward. He knows what he wants. So in that way, he's very clear in his mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me a bit about the casting of the film? How did that work out? Oh, casting. Uh, so I was screening Contora, which released last year, 18th March, and I think 19th or 20th, if I'm not wrong. Uh, this girl uh, who played uh, Kana, Ryo Matsura, she came to watch Contora. And uh, after the screening, she came uh, to meet me. I was standing outside, you know, meeting people and signing and all that autograph and all. So she came. Uh, so first thing she said, uh, your first film is my favorite Japanese film and I can't forget her like that. And she was wearing mask, you know, because there was a COVID time. So I just, I just saw her eyes. I was like, okay, this is something special. And also I asked her to pull your mask down. She pulled her mask down. Then I remember actually I saw her somewhere and then I realized she is from the same agency as one Maru Jungle. So I was like, okay. So I told her, nice to meet you and all. Then I just forgot about her and I checked her profile and all. And when I pulled out the script, just after, I think, I much April, May, I think June, July, I pulled out this script, actually. It was somewhere. I just pulled out. And when I was uh, reading the script, I just, her face kept coming in my head. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. But I still did many auditions. And I did her auditions actually three times. And I did auditions of my close friends and close actor friends and all, but I just couldn't, you know, forget her. Like I just felt like she is the one. And then I made sure that she can do this role because she's a model actually, you know. So and it's a very very difficult role, but yeah, she did so good that I'm I'm really happy. And other cast, Shogun is my longtime friend, and he he has been asking for you know collaboration since my first film. But I was waiting for a role where he can actually play his you know, almost close to the real age and all and and not look like, you know, the six-pack James and Punch fighter. <laughs> so I, I told him I have a role, but you have to uh, not look that good the way you look in real life. So you have to gain weight and grow beard. And also I made a Photoshop image of him. I sent him that this is what I'm looking for. So in the starting, he was a bit resisting like, uh, no, this, this, but then he understood. And at the same time, he got COVID before mm-hmm. the shoot. I, I got COVID, he got COVID, Yamashita-san, producer, Shinga Fujimori. So half of the team had COVID and we had to push the shoot. So in that COVID, he was stuck in a hospital without Wi-Fi, without phone, anything. He was not allowed and he was really sick, actually. So oh, that, really? in that, yeah, and not even Tokyo, even Oita Prefecture. And uh, so in that 10 days of hospital time, he transferred into Katsu life. No shame, <laughs> nothing. And he eating a lot of rice every day which kind of helped him. Mm-hmm. And other cast, uh, Megumi, uh, was recommended to me by Shogun. You can look into her. So I auditioned her and some other actresses. I also auditioned uh, Drive My Cars actress. Uh, I forgot her name. Yeah, so I like the scene between Shogun and Megumi when they just were talking in the audition together. Mm-hmm. I, I just like her face. She has a default angry little bit. Her eyebrows are like this, which I really like. And other cast members, then Fujimori-san, the, uh, who's a very famous Japanese comedian, who played her husband, he was recommended to uh, me by uh, Megumi-san. So it was like this. Mm-hmm. Then I met him. I said, okay. So I went to meet him in the hotel room. 
and by that time he already finished reading a script and he I I met him and he, before even talking he said I I'm doing it he he doesn't do movies and all that much he's a comedian sometimes he do TV series but he wanted to do it so I'm happy mm-hmm. yeah and other cast is brought by uh, our casting director mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so and, uh, yeah he he brought all of them Mickey Mayasan and all good actors school mm-hmm. girls and all. Mm-hmm. And uh, in general, are you strict? Are you strict with your actors, or do you allow improvisation? How is the shooting like? Oh, I allow a lot of improvisation, but uh, this film was a bit different. It's a courtroom drama. We can't change the dialogues, and there's a way of speaking. So courtroom scenes were not improvised at all, and I was really strict also this time, <laughs> like extra about uh, not improvising and. Uh, and particular way of sitting talking in the courtroom all those kind of thing but otherwise outside scenes they are okay like scenes when shogun is alone katsu is alone drinking this there those where we just kept shooting for a long time he can do whatever he wants so uh, like scene when when uh, sumiko's husband comes to his house and they had a fight like an argument is a one take scene yeah that was also a lot of impression in it Yeah so other scenes were I'm, I'm I have no Kontola was completely improvised like 85% improvised so I have no problem with that but this is a courtroom film so yeah half of the film maybe you can say outside court scenes were a little bit okay not that strict mm-hmm. so and so and what is Shogun actually drinking when he's drinking in the movie what is in the bottle Oh, he's drinking this, uh, what do you call the ocha, like a Japanese ah, tea. Mm-hmm, okay. But sometimes he's also actually drinking. Mm-hmm. So, so we had some uh, alcohol sponsors, like ah. my friend Casey, Casey Ball, his his new company. He started new alcohol brand in Hokkaido. So he supplied us to many bottles, <laughs> which we finished on the set. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we all were drinking actually. <laughs> by the end of the shoot wine <laughs> okay. was wine was real whatever whenever sumiko and all they were drinking because mm-hmm. if at the end of the day shoot they said it's fine we will drink real wine okay mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. okay yeah there are some erotic scenes in the movie but uh, there is essentially no no nudity which is like was not the case in bad poetry tokyo so why did you choose this thing this time not to portray any nudity let's see Uh, just I don't want didn't want to distract that much from the actual you know because it's if there's a scene I I felt there are chances of audience to go out of the this uh, courtroom mood for the both characters so that's why we even if we showed Sumiko you know in his house when he she gets up and goes to the bridge so you know that scene is shot from outside window very obscured and you know you can see just her back and. And uh, scene between Sumiko and her uh, husband in the house—it's shot from the top angle. You actually can't see anything. So yeah, just simple we kept as much simple as possible. Mm-hmm. But we had opportunity. I mean, we could have done some. There are so many opportunities with Katsu and her and husband. But why to do like without any? Yeah, I just didn't feel like it was. It was like necessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you did your own editing in the film, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. edit my own film. So, so how but, was that? Is it easy editing yourself? How how is it? Uh, it's not easy, and everybody says the director should not edit and all, but I don't believe in that. I think because the way I shoot is is shot uh, 
because I know how I want to edit the film. So I always keep edit in mind while shooting the film. So, but Kontora was not that hard to edit because many long takes, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, first film was my learning process. So it was a little tough for me. But December was really, really hard because we shot 28 days, which is the highest number of days I ever shot. Even I put together both the films I never shot, my short films. My first film was 13 days. Kontra was nine and a half days. This was 28 days, so there were a lot of footage. And yeah, so that was the main thing to cut the film from all that footage. And uh, there was a deadline also on the head to submit in, uh, you know, Venice where we couldn't go and uh, Busan and all that. So I had a limited period of time. So I just locked myself in a room, you know, for like two, three months. And every day I edit for like 15, 16, 17, sometimes 18 hours. Yeah, continuously. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a really, really good learning. And this time also because I had some producers and, you know, they put money. So I have to make a tight 90-minute film rather than two and a half hour like Contra, which is my own production. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted to make a fast pace. Mm. It's a drama, but I wanted I kept a, I wanted to make it like a, a thriller in a way, mm. without mm. even being a crime thriller. It should feel like that, so that's why I edited like this way. But it was very fun. I did, I love editing. That's my favorite part in filmmaking. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess this one was uh, the biggest budget you have in all your films, right? Or yeah, it was big, but not also that big. But it was big, yeah. I could choose locations I want and actors I want, basically. And uh, more than the budget, we had a lot of support from the producers and their team. So there there were some people helping us, you know, for example, arranging many suits. We Mm. just give a call and many suits will come and all these kind of things. So, yeah, I could get the costumes I wanted and all the small, small things which makes the film look good and Mm. better lenses and all those things, yeah. So it's better to have a big budget, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always good to have a big budget. But even though if no big budget, if I have to make a film, I will write for that budget. But like by first two films, I knew how much budget I have and I wrote keeping that budget in mind. So I feel like budget should not stop you from making films. That's all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, other... Okay, please. Uh, no, I, I was just saying, otherwise it takes a long time. I don't have patience. So. If I have an idea, I want to make it right now. So I'm, I can't wait for the budget to come. So mm-hmm. if it comes, it's good. If, if, it, if, if it doesn't come, I'll figure out a way or make change the story a little bit or the setting of the story and still shoot the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, are there plans on opening in Japan uh, of the film? I have no idea. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm pretty much outsider there. They, have a, they, they don't even have a single article on December. In Japan, which is so weird, weird to me. No news, nothing. And there are news for other films, but December nobody writes about. There is one article, Cinefile, which we, which we got it published before coming to Busan, just to release our poster. Otherwise, uh, there is no article about December. There is nothing. And uh, TIFF I mean, never takes our film anyway. So I, I just don't know the reason. At least I want to hear what is the reason that you don't cover December. Mm. But anyway, I'm, I'm not. I have no. I mean complaints about that so we usually same happens we go outside japan we win so many awards when we go back home that's when they open their eyes and yeah mm-hmm. and in general how would you describe the movie industry in japan now let's say japan industry yeah movie industry yeah oh uh, japan movie industry i don't know it's very confusing for me because the kind of uh 
So the studio films, I have no comments because I don't know what subject they are making. Uh, but at least from last few years, I liking some filmmakers which I feel like can bring the change, like you know, Akira Fujimoto, Kentaro Kishi, and uh, this I forgot his name. Uh, he made this uh film joint. Shogun was in it also, and uh, yeah, Ko- these Ko- are all a new. Kojima, yeah. Kojima is yeah. his name. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, Ko- Kojima, Kojima. Yeah. Yeah. Kojima, and then the director. Uh, there's a uh, one more director. Uh, shit, I'm forgetting names. Uh, <laughs> and he made a in a black black and white film about a car taxi driver, which I watched in a premiere night. And it's about to. It's not out yet. It will come. So, yeah. So these all these directors, I feel like they're making some good story, which they actually want to make, not like you know any. Horror film or this that like cliche story, high school girl story or uh, which romantic high school girl stories or all this, which I don't know why they make that. Still, I think they should be done with all the stories and hmm. make something interesting like nineties and all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then the last question, I guess. Any other plans for the future? Are you writing anything or anything else? Uh, uh, right now I'm I'm working on my first Indian project actually. It's kind of a mm. offer I got to direct a TV series. So okay. I just uh, moved to India like a few weeks back and I'm coming to Busan from there only. I'll mm-hmm. go back to India and shooting will start next month. It's a seven episode series. Uh, <laughs> that's all I can say for now. For, it's for a big platform and with big Bollywood stars. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's very like eye opening for me because they they work completely different style. Mm-hmm. You know, Bollywood is everything is big there. So yeah, then I'll go back to Japan in uh, next year January. I'll go back after the shoot, and I take care of the post production from there. <laughs> Maybe sometime fly there, mm-hmm. but then yeah, I do want to make uh, another Japanese film uh, if possible. I, I I I'm I'm in a I'm kind of writing something. Which gives a hint of recent Sion Sono stuff. Uh, yeah. okay. So, so the, I'm working on that story right now. It will be a single take film, mm. you know, uh, about about auditioning process in Japan, which I feel like is not covered yet. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that I want to make, but I don't know how I will make it. For now, I have no budget and no script. So, oh, okay. but that that will be my next, uh, I guess, that Japanese project. Okay. Since you mentioned it, the last question, I guess, uh, what was your opinion about the whole thing that happened with Sion Sono and the whole bunch of directors oh, and that came out? Right? Uh, I can just say it's true because mm. my direct actors friends have told me that it happened with them. So I know it's true. It happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I would still say that Whatever came out in the media, you know, it was just a little bit. It's so crazy. It's mm. insane. Like what, what, what happens there is insane. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I understand. And uh, it is it's kind of insane that, yeah, if actual all the names will come out, I think the whole industry will like all the directors who people love, like new ones who recently got famous and now everybody will go down, I think, big time. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay well i guess that's it thank you very much Hansu, for being thank here you. okay this was uh, thank you so uh, much thank you thank you this was azian movie pulse interviews i'm panos kodzathanasis and have a nice night bye